This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. This week I was watching a video from the underground churches in China. And even though it is forbidden by the government to be able to read or to hear the Word of God, the church is growing at an incredible pace. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot be bound. The person who went to share undercover and to preach in the house church showed up and uh, there were many, many people gathered in a location that the government was not aware that they were meeting. And uh, the minister asked and said, now, uh, when would you like me to get up and begin speaking? Because he had come and they were setting up the time for him to speak. And they said, uh, sir, we would love for you. We're going to begin our service at 7 o'clock in the morning. And he said, well, what time would you like me to speak? Well, we would like you to begin at 7 o'clock in the morning. And how long would you like me to preach? And they said, well, we would really appreciate it if you would speak till 8 o'clock in the evening. And, uh, and he was quite taken back. He said, do you mean for me, you're asking for me to speak for the entire day? They said, yes, if you wouldn't mind, we would really appreciate it if you would preach to us the living word of God because we are hungry to hear the word of God. He preached that entire day from 7 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock at night. And at the end of the message, they came to him and said, Sir, we have another request. If you would be so kind and if you wouldn't mind, we would, we would love for you to come back and to speak to us tomorrow, beginning at 7 in the morning till 8 at night. And he said, well, okay, I'm willing to do that. And he went ahead and preached for the second day from 7 o'clock in the morning till 8 at night. And he realized that the people in the church, none of them had Bibles. And that the only thing that they were going to be able to grasp from the message of the word of God was what the minister had brought to them. The scripture says how lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. And when someone has not had the living bread or the living water, they really begin to appreciate the value of it. He finished his second day and they came back to him and said, Sir, we hope it would not be a bother. But if you'd be willing just one last time, would you be willing tomorrow to speak to us again from seven in the morning? Till eight at night. And the people came back for the third day straight in a row to hear the message of the gospel preached from seven in the morning till eight at night. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. In some ways, we're spoiled here in America. But yet the same God that is available to the underground church in China is available to us here 
in Massachusetts. And I've said this before and I'll say it again, that the degree to which we seek God is the degree to which we will find him. And if you're not satisfied with the status quo of your walk with God, it can change. But you've got to hunger after God and you've got to seek him. And as I watched that video of the service in the underground church, as the people were singing, and I didn't see any instruments, but that entire room erupted with a sound of praise that I believe rivaled the sound of the angels in heaven in worship and praise to the almighty God. And I did not see one person sitting in their seat. But every single person in that room had gone out of their way to gather and to worship the name of Jesus. With hands raised and voices out loud, they worshiped the Lord together, knowing that if they were caught, they could pay a dear price. But they were willing to pay that price because they hungered and they thirsted for God. God responds to hungry people. He responds to hungry hearts. I want to share with you from 2 Corinthians this morning, chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, I ask for your help. I'm incapable of on my own of presenting anything worth hearing. But because your word is powerful and because your spirit anoints, the message that is ministered today can be powerful and effective. And I ask that it would be. First and foremost to my own heart and mind and then to every single person who is here to hear. And Lord, as you asked in the book of Revelation, and said, let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit of the living God is saying to the church. God, we open our hearts to you today. And we ask that you would speak to us. For we have ears that want to hear what your Spirit is saying. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, and I do hope that you have your Bible, would you join with me in reading? And so since God in his mercy has given us this wonderful ministry, we never give up. We reject all shameful and underhanded methods. We do not try to trick anyone, and we do not distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know that. If the good news we preach is veiled from anyone, it is a sign that they are perishing. Satan, the god of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe, so they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. They don't understand the message that we preach about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ, the Lord. All we say about ourselves is that we are your servants because of what Jesus has done for us. 
For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made us understand that this light is the brightness of the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. But this precious treasure, this light and power that now shine within us is held in perishable containers. That is in our weak bodies. So everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and is not our own. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. Through suffering, these bodies of ours constantly share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be obvious in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but it has resulted in eternal life for you. We have been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. And sometimes... As precious treasure purchased by God, we can shy away from the very thing that we were purchased for. You and I were saved by God to be epistles that are read by others, living letters of the transforming power of the work of God. When God says something in his word, it's not that he wants to simply communicate some facts, but he wants those realities to become a reality in our lives. And that's transformation. The transformation power of the gospel is the power that takes a drug addict and sets them free. That takes a person who is at death's door considering taking their own life and all of a sudden by the power of the Spirit of God infuses hope that was absent from their life for many years. It is the transforming power of God that brings a person who has no hope to be filled with purpose. A person who has been chained by sin by habits, by all kinds of vices, and sets them free, transferring them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And because of this new way, the Apostle Paul says, number one, you and I are called by God to tell the truth. It sounds like a basic thing, but when it comes down to it, you and I would have no hope if it were not for Jesus Christ. I have spoken with various people whose lives have been changed by the power of God, but who feel afraid and ashamed to say that it was Jesus who did the changing. And I want to tell you, friend, that that simply boiled down is not telling the truth. 
If you owe a great debt, and if, yours, if you end up becoming a slave in a situation because you cannot pay that debt, and someone shows up and says, I'll take care of that for you, and then that person is never acknowledged, there's something wrong with the picture. The truth is, is that the wages of our sin was death, but the gift of God is eternal life for you, for me, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Whether you grew up in church is irrelevant because God came to die for you and you needed it too. And until you recognize that, you won't really understand how critical it is that you and I share that message with the person next to us that is not walking on a road to salvation. But they're on a fast pace, on a broad road, headed directly for hell. The truth is, as Jesus said, that the road that leads to eternal life is a narrow road, and he said, few there be that find it. But the road that leads to destruction, he said, is wide, And many are those who are walking on it. If you're going to give that a ratio, I would say that's over 50%. Every one of us here knows people that are walking on the road to destruction. Now, this is the wonderful thing. God has given you and I a responsibility But he has not expected us in our own wisdom or power to be able to do the job. But rather that you and I have been given a very precious treasure that is held, as it says in verse 7, in perishable containers. So that everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and is not our own. Sometimes we might feel, well, I'm not sure that I could really do God justice by how I present the message. Because maybe the words won't come out just right, or I might not just, uh, maybe I don't look the part. Maybe I'm not a pastor, maybe I'm not a person who is a full-time minister, so I'm not sure that I should do a whole lot. Let me leave that up to the experts. But I'm here to tell you that the transformation that God has done in your life makes you an expert in your own testimony. Because I can't tell your testimony like you can. And no one else can tell your testimony like you can. For those of you who had the opportunity to go uh, to the uh, men's conference recently, you heard some wonderful testimonies of the life-transforming power of God in taking lives that were destroyed and bringing them to a life of hope. And many of you shared with me how much you were blessed by those testimonies. But every single one of us in this room have a testimony. If indeed you have been washed by the blood of Jesus, your life has been changed. 
And God did not give you or me a spirit of fear or timidity, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. In other words, God wants us to be able to have boldness. And that's what the disciples prayed for when they were being persecuted. They didn't ask God to stop the persecution. They said, God, when we go out to preach on the temple steps and they've told us, do not speak in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, when we go and we do exactly what they have told us not to do, would you give us the boldness to be able to speak the words of life with boldness and with your power? And that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to demonstrate that the glory and the power is from him. So that's why the, the Apostle Paul says we have this precious treasure that is in clay jars that is fractured and broken. So that it's not thought somehow that this precious treasure is our own or initiates from us, but rather it's from God. Yeah, a person who thinks that, that something is happening because it's uh, starting from them is going to have a rude awakening one day because m myself and anybody who ministers the gospel message, whether it be from a platform like this or sitting in a Starbucks or a Dunkin' Donuts across uh, the person with a cup of coffee and sharing the message of what God did in our lives... That anything that we share, the power of that message resides in the message of the good news originated by God himself. It's not in us. So you don't have to worry. All you have to do is make yourself available. That's all you have to do. I'm going to say that again. The only thing you have to do is make yourself available. You say, God, I am ready to be used by you. I'm willing to speak what you want me to say. I'm willing to go do what you want me to do. And step by step, God will grow you. And just like he said to the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It's a process. Jesus knew that very well. And he knows that very well about each one of us. There are certain things Jesus held off on telling his disciples because they couldn't bear it. He said, guys, I have more that I want to tell you, but you can't handle it right now. So we're going to save that conversation for when you've matured a little bit. And God does that today. He speaks to us where we are. Sometimes he encourages us. Sometimes he rebukes us. But either way, it's all for the same purpose because he wants us to grow and he loves us. The treasure that you have is in a broken vessel. And you need to remember and understand how critical that is. Because the moment that we begin to put our emphasis upon ourselves as to the effectiveness of the message that we preach, we're missing the point. See, it's only the Spirit of God that can draw someone. It's only the Spirit of God that drew us. And in this portion of Scripture, it says, if the good news is hidden, it is only hidden from people who are perishing. Why? Because the God of this world has blinded their eyes so that they cannot see the glorious light of the good news. The good news is not you and me 
in ourselves. That's why the Apostle Paul said, we do not preach ourselves, we preach Jesus. Whether you think you've lived a good life or bad life or whatever, it doesn't matter. What you need to proclaim is the one who saved you. You need to proclaim the one who can transform the life of the person that you're speaking to. It is the power of Jesus Christ that changes people's lives. That's why the story of the resurrection is so critical. It is the crowning event for every single one of us who are followers of Jesus. There is no other religion in this world that their God is no longer in the tomb. For every single one, you can go to the tomb of Buddha, Muhammad. You go to the various places. They, they died and stayed in the grave. But Jesus Christ, after three days, the spirit of resurrection power inside of him, it could not stay. That's why the song says death could not hold him. I love that. You know, it's probably one of the things that people fear the most is death. And yet Jesus looked it straight in the eye and said, you have no power over me. In fact, he said, you don't take my life. I lay it down. And the only reason Jesus ended up dying was because he chose to. Over and over, he could have found himself out of that situation. He did so in earlier times. The, the, the crowds were about to throw him over the cliff, and the scripture says he just made his way through the crowd and got out of there. Oh, Jesus could have got away anytime he wanted to. Remember what happened with the soldiers when they came to find him? And they said, we're looking for Jesus. And Jesus said, uh, I am he. And what does the scripture say? They all fell down. That was resurrection power at work. They had no idea what they were dealing with. If I'm looking for a guy like that and I'm falling over every time he mentions his name, I'm going to think twice. But he said, this is the time for the power of darkness. But that time would only last for a little while. And the only reason he allowed it was because if he didn't go through with it, you and I would have no hope. But because of what's going to be demonstrated before us in the drama, the living last supper, before, because of what Jesus did as he sat at that last supper and he shared communion knowing full well that what he was eating and drinking represented himself and that he would soon become that last supper for you and for me. What he did on that cross provided for us and for the entire world salvation and transformation. But the power is not in us, from us. It's rather in us, from God. And the Apostle Paul went through so many things. When he began to follow Christ, the challenges began to mount over and over. And that's why he says here in this chapter, in chapter 4, 
He says we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be obvious in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but it has resulted in eternal life for you. Are any of you facing any situations that are so overwhelming, but you're willing to look at those situations and say, I'm willing to continue to walk down this road that God has called me to walk down because it's going to make the difference in life and or death for this person that I'm believing God for. Jesus led the way in going to the cross and he paid the price. And then Jesus said to his disciples, and he says it to us today, you count the cost. Take up your cross and follow me. How can we count the cost and go through all kinds of troubles and trials together and be united as a church body if we have a hard enough time showing up once a week to gather in the house of the Lord. The greatest thing that grew the church in the book of Acts was when the heat was turned up. And all of a sudden, people began to gather together more and more because they needed each other. My friends, I speak to you from my heart. Don't wait till there's a crisis to put God first. Church is not something that we gather just to check it off our list so that our conscience is clear. When we gather here, we gather as the body of Christ to do the work of the Lord here so we can do the work of the Lord out there. If we can't worship him together with all of our heart here faithfully, how can we effectively impact the powers of darkness that rule and reign? We have to be united in spirit and in heart. And my prayer for myself and every one of us is that our hunger will grow. That our one hour of prayer on Sunday at six o'clock will grow to two hours of prayer. Because there is a hunger and a desire to seek the Lord. I've been in places where they'll start in the, in the prayer meeting and the prayer meeting will go all night long. Why? Not because it's forced upon them, but because there is a hunger and a desire to seek the Lord. And I fear that with all the stuff that we have and all the work that we're doing to try to pay for the stuff that we have, we're missing some of the most important things that affect our spiritual life. And while we may be in the realm of having stuff, and I use this word qualified, we may be fat with stuff. We're starving in the spiritual realm. Assess well your life. You may think it'll be for a long time, but even if you live to be 100, it's a drop in the bucket when we consider eternity. The scripture says that in the fullness of time, Jesus came. God had this plan working out all the way from the get-go. For over 4,000 years, God was at work 
and the scarlet thread of the message of the gospel was weaved in and the shadow of the cross fell over the entire Old Testament. The prophets saw what was coming down the pike and they were looking for their Messiah. My friend, you and I have such a great privilege. We live after the cross. The prophets longed to see the days we see. They would have loved to sit in church this morning to experience the blood-bought saints gathering together to worship the Most High God, having their sins forgiven. No more animals needing to be slain because the one true Lamb of God had been sacrificed once and for all. And here we are, the blood-bought saints of Jesus Christ. I just want us to be able to continue to remember the treasure that we have inside, and it's all because of Jesus. So don't get too focused on yourself. If you stumble through the words, that's okay. When it's all said and done, let the person that you're sharing the message with simply know that you may be weak, but he is strong. You may not have it all together, but he does. And turn the attention to him. And you know what's going to happen? You start obeying the Lord in that area, God's going to give you words you never had in mind to say. And that's exactly what he said to the disciples. He said, when you go before leaders, when you go before those whom you're going to need to bring my name before, don't think in advance of what you're going to say. He said, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God is going to give you the words at just the right time. When George goes out on the street with the street team to minister the gospel, he's praying for just the right divine appointment to be able to share the track, to be able to share the word along with the others that go with him. Every single one of us have to be attentive. God, what do you want me to do this week to share the message of the gospel? This life is going to be over. When it's over, there's no more praying like we're praying now. There will be no more hope for the lost. Because that day will be done. Grace will be gone. Finally, the scripture says, the judgment. We are moving closer and closer. We are living in a day of grace. But we are approaching the day of judgment. And because of that, not only must, must we live righteously before the Lord, but we've got to bring everybody in. Rahab, Rahab wanted her family to be saved. Rahab said to the Jewish shoulders, I know that Jericho's going down, but would you please, I'd like my family spared. The soldiers said to her, if you get your family in the house, their lives will be spared. But anybody outside the house is doomed. And that's exactly what happened. Anybody who was in Rahab's house was spared, which is a perfect symbolism of the salvation that we have in Jesus. And unless your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors are found inside the ark of salvation or the house, then there's judgment. Because without Jesus, there is no hope. There is no other way, contrary to what a lot of people think. There is only one way to get to heaven. You and I have been privileged with the wonderful transforming power of Jesus and the message to share. So I just want to encourage you this week. 
as you go to do what God has called you to do, you don't go in your own power. You go in the power of the Spirit. You may say, Pastor, well, I've never done this before. I've never done it that way before. That may be very true. But get ready for a transformation. Because the Spirit of God is very good at taking one thing and transforming it into something else. If you simply say, Lord, I'm available. And I'm willing to be used by you. I'm going to ask you right now if you could close yourself in with the Lord. And I want you to think of three people. I want you to think of three people that you know that don't know Christ, at least to the best of your understanding. God's the ultimate judge, but the scripture says, by their fruit we'll know them. So if the Lord has given you just an understanding of their situation and you believe that they, it's very possible that they are not ready for heaven. I want you to get their names in your mind right now. Now, Abraham interceded for Lot. And he interceded not only for Lot, but he was trying to see if Sodom and Gomorrah could be spared. And he went all the way down from 50 to 10 and said, if you find 10 people in the city that are righteous, would you spare it? God said, yes. The angels went. They couldn't even find 10. But Abraham was interceding and then God sent the angels and took Lot out of the city before destruction came. So I want you to think of three people. And I want to ask you, in just a moment, to intercede for those three people. I want you to lift them by name before God. And say, God, I want to pray for whatever their names are. You fill in the blank. Sally, John, Sue, whoever they are. And, and I want you to pray because as you pray, the Spirit of God works. And then after you pray, then we're going to say, now God, is there anything that you want me to do to help be an answer to that prayer? So in just a moment, we're going to do that. So I want you to be, over these next few moments, that I want you to think about those three people that you're going to lift before the Lord. It can be more, but I just want you to at least have three people on your heart. The next thing I want to ask, if you're in this room today, and you'd say, Pastor Joseph, the Spirit of God is tugging on my heart. But I have not really surrendered my life to him. I've been living a life of disobedience. Maybe you've been even going to church, but living a life that displeases God. God sees that, and he wants to set you free from every chain that binds you this morning. He wants to have all of your heart. And if you want the forgiveness of God, he's willing to give it to you. The scripture tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you're here today and you would say, God, I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want to surrender my life completely to you. And I welcome the free gift of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross to be applied to my life so that my name can be written in the book of life. If you desire to do that today, would you raise your hand right where you're sitting this morning? 
God wants to change your life. God sees your hand, my friend, and yours. And yours. Is there anyone else this morning that the Spirit of God is tugging on your heart and you want to respond by saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. God sees your hand. Now I'm going to ask you to do something with me, and that is to simply bring your heart before God and give it over to him. And say, God, I surrender all these things that I've done in the past, all the guilt, the shame, every single thing, I give it over to you. I know you paid for it on the cross. Would you please forgive me and make me brand new? If you've raised your hand today, God wants to give you a brand new life. And I want to pray and I'm going to ask if you would simply join with me in this prayer. Because what we're simply going to do is with our hearts, ask Jesus to clean us and to fill us with his Holy Spirit. So, would you join me? Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge today that I need your salvation. Please forgive me of my sin. Please cleanse my heart. Please cleanse my thoughts. Please make me a new person. I thank you for giving your life so that I would not have to pay the price of death. I choose from this point forward to live my life in obedience to you. I thank you for forgiving me of my sin. And I thank you for writing my name in the book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. I encourage you to talk to God every day. Allow God to talk to you through his word, the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, come see me. I'll give you one. And number three, Find a good group of people that love Jesus. Get together and magnify God. Learn his word every week. And you'll grow in him. Now just before we close, three names. I want to ask you to lift those names before the Lord. Right where you're sitting. You care about them. God cares about them. You're limited in what you can do. God knows that. But it's not you. It's him. You're a, you're a broken clay vessel filled with the glory of God. My prayer is that out of the cracks, the glory of God will shine through. And even just a glimpse that those who do not know Christ yet will be challenged to surrender their heart because of what they've seen God do in changing your life. You ready? Now, what we're going to do is we're just going to take a few moments together and we're just going to lift these names before God and all across this place. 
for the next two minutes. I want this to be a place like a, a huge altar where we just bring these people before God. Maybe they're your family. Maybe it's a very close family member. Whatever, whatever uh, the relationship is, just bring them before God and say, God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would convict them and draw them to Jesus. You ready? I'm going to join with you, and let's just pray together. Please don't just listen to me pray. I want you to pray too, because this, you know the names. You know the people. God wants to use you, and he wants to pray through you. Let's do that together now.